Leading Systemic Change. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki, and today, Eric Thomas, VP and Chief Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Officer at Genesis, joins me to share his journey leading the entire organization's newly incorporated DEI strategy. He makes a point that it took and takes the whole team. I'm ready to highlight this journey. Let's go. Eric, welcome to Gut Plus Science. I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm ready to dive into this topic of leading systemic change. And I think I want to start from a DEI lens. Talk about your vision to make systemic change and why you are so convicted to make this impact. Hey, Nikki, thank you. It's good to be here with you today. So I'll go back to when we first started our journey towards a diversity, equity, and inclusion work at Genesis, which is back in July of 2020. Conversations had with our leadership team at that time, particularly with our CEO, was let's build something that could outlast any of us, whether my post as a DEI officer here or even his post as a CEO. And the conversation stemmed from both of us recognizing that we've seen this work done in some of our prior companies. And we've also seen how, in a lot of cases, it didn't gain a lot of traction. It wasn't as successful. And we thought about what could we do differently to make sure that we are building sustainable DEI practices that would differentiate us from others. And we talked about a balance, making sure that we have a balance of the various key aspects that really allows you to embed DEI into the operating fabric of a company. So often people will focus mostly on recruiting and it's an easy check the box for them, but they don't spend enough time on the culture. So they lose a lot of the people that they bring in house. There's not a focus on cultivating and developing talent. And so our approach was to build a balance, have a balanced strategy that addressed what we felt like would be the key pillars of diversity, equity, and inclusion that would allow us to build a sustainable set of practices and really drive the systemic change that we were looking for. Mm. Thank you so much. And you use some verbiage that I talk about or I use on the show a lot, and it is anti-check the box. Like I am yes. always working on how can we stop doing it to do it, but do it for impact. And so you talked about like sometimes recruiting can be that. That can be like a check the box effort. Before we go any deeper, I wanted to just ask, what are other things that you've seen come to... I guess the top of your mind, when people do check the box, when they're in their leadership advancing DEI, what are some of those other things just for awareness purposes? Yeah, it's a great question. And timing is interesting too, because I've just been working with my team and other leaders around in this space across the industry on developing what we call a maturity arc. And it basically slates different companies based on their approach that they're taking towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it goes all the way from it being non-existent, there's no effort, no focus by the company, to you've got a few employees who are self-organized and they're pressing, putting tension against the system and they're trying to get leadership and the rest of the company's attention, usually a ERGs or some type of, of task force, to the next scale to where you may have those ERGs and those task force in play. They may have some level of financial support, there's no one person or no group that's actually leading 
company-led initiatives. You've got employees, you know, kind of pushing upward against the system, all the way up to where diversity, equity, and inclusion is a true business imperative, where you have a leader in the company who has a budget, staff, and has the executive support, as well as support of the broader leadership team to truly cascade DEI principles across the enterprise. And I think so often, if you, what we see in terms of what folk in this space will, will characterize as being formative work or window dressing is cultural celebrations. Hey, it's Black History Month. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. It's Women's History Month. Let's do some type of celebration event. Let's have some type of potluck or, or music type of thing. But nothing that actually is changing how you make business and people decisions. Mm. Yes. Yes. So it's just something to really think about. I feel like your opening comments around the question of, I put it into a question, what are you building as a leader right now that's going to outlast your time in that role? And if you're not doing something, if you can't think of something, it's time to go back to the drawing board with being a leader because that so much of being able to really make impact is way outside of how we the actions that we do, but what we can influence. So that's so good. Okay. So before we get into the nitty gritty to learn from your experiences, I would love for you to just like describe for us at a high level, your journey to launching this diversity office at Genesis. It's, it began in July of 2020, if I remember from my notes. Since then to now, if you could just say, share at a high level, just what that experience has been like for you. Yeah. So it did start in July of 2020, that's when the office officially launched. But the effort started a couple of months earlier. And the catalyst for really elevating this work at Genesis was the George Floyd murder that occurred in the U.S. And having to get our head around and manage some of the, the aftermath that we were witnessing in and outside the company. So through a series of different events leading up to the launching of the office in July of 2020, what we saw inside the company was this level of enthusiasm across our workforce. Our employee base was truly excited at the notion that this is where we were headed. So our first step and part of our journey was harnessing that. And we focused on inclusion first. It was for me and for some of the other leaders, it just seemed like the most logical approach to say, before we launch into any type of tactical, trying to drive systemic type of changes, which we knew we wanted to do, Let's make sure we start by ensuring that our culture is one that we are going to focus on transforming so that we can bring people along once we get closer and further along in our journey where we become more action-oriented with the work. And so we started with inclusion. We harnessed that energy that our employees were displaying. We launched employee resource groups. We started defining for the company what is diversity, equity, and inclusion, establishing a common nomenclature around the work get people's heads and hearts around what it was. And then from that inclusion point of our journey, we launched a vision and a strategy that kind of unfolded how we wanted to operationalize embedding DEI principles within our operating factory. And now as we look forward, so that was been the foundation as we've been doing for the past couple of years. And now we are working on that foundation, that momentum to move closer to integrating those same efforts into our business lines. And tell us about how you have and do leverage data to guide your decision-making through this effort. Yeah, so data is, is the cornerstone that drives how we decide what we're going to work, what are going to be our priorities. And 
data like understanding our demographics as an example. When we started this work, one of the first things I wanted to get my head around was understanding representation in a company. What was a representation of women around the globe and what were the representation of the various underrepresented populations in the US, right? And that we use that as a baseline against which we set corporate goals to better align the representation of our workforce with the markets and that we operate in and that we also serve. Another benchmark or a, a key data point was understanding employee sentiment. Every year, most companies will do some type of employee survey, and they're trying to get a sense of how employees feel about various aspects of the employee experience. We tapped into that survey and kind of evolved it to establish our inclusion index, which is a methodology that allows us to take the responses from our employees from these surveys, whether it's an annual survey or even a pulse survey throughout the year, engage from their responses, their sentiment about how they feel about how we show up in terms of fairness, the ability for them to, for regardless of what demographic they are, uh, as they, if they identify as a woman, if they identify as a Latino or a Black professional, how do they view their chances of being successful at Genesis in terms of hitting personal and professional goals, as well as how well is our culture fostering the ability for them to show up and be their authentic selves. So we have, for the first time in our company's 30-some plus year history, the ability to disaggregate that data and look at it by different demographics and different uh, cohorts, index it against a whole, and tell us whether we have any type of disparities in terms of how one group may be feeling about certain things when compared to other groups. So those are just two quick examples of how we use data to really drive our No, that's great. And do you have any examples of big ahas or light bulbs from your data collection just to share as examples? I do. If I go back to the inclusion index that I referenced, the first year we did it and we started disaggregating the information and just started looking at the comparative views, it jumped out on the page and I won't call out which group it was, but we did have one of our cohorts that didn't feel as strongly about inclusion and belonging. It was almost a double-digit gap between them when indexing it against the whole of Genesis, how the whole, the majority of Genesis felt about it. And two things jumped out at me, Nikki. One was the importance of having the disaggregated views because how easy it is for that process to be a bit distorted because it's mathematically, it's so easy for the dominant majority's voice to drown out the minority voice. And so by disaggregating it, you get to see everybody's voice surface to the table. And, and through that exercise, we were able to uncover some challenges that we had. It led to a specific set of actions that we took within certain groups of the company. And I'm, I'm actually happy to say that a year later, we were able to close a lot of those gaps just by focusing on knowing that they were there and taking action against them. Oh, so powerful. Yes. And that's one of the reasons that our show has its name, Gut Plus Science. The science is the data you side, go. you know, and there you go. the gut is like bringing your best learnings to the data, right? So that's where it came from. All right. So as far as if you remember back on the data that helped you guide the strategy, if you can just help us to understand the key initiatives that came to play because of the data, can you kind of break down what were those pillars? Our DEI strategy at Genesis is anchored primarily by four pillars. The first pillar I talked about earlier is around representation. And again, having unpacked the data to understand the representation of women and various members of our 
underrepresented populations helped us know we had a disconnect between our representation and the representation of the markets in which we operated. And so we set a goal and, and we published those goals to bring those into congruency between now and the year 2030. The second pillar of our diversity strategy really anchors on cultivating an environment, a culture where every employee feels like their voice is heard and understood, that they can show up and be their best and authentic selves every day. Because we know that that's the best way we'll get the most out of them and have them contribute to us hitting and achieving our overall corporate goals. And again, the data from our inclusion index uncovered for us that we did have disparities and we needed to make sure that was a key focus. And then the third pillar that we focus on really talks about how do we look at from a talent development standpoint and ensure that we are being inclusive and taking more of an equitable approach with how we manage talent, how we go about identifying members for key succession roles for certain leadership roles. How do we make sure that the programs, the professional development programs that we have within our portfolio are designed to address challenges that may be unique to women differently from men, that may be unique to Black professionals different from white professionals, right? And again, our data tells us that because when you look at the representation of our company, the higher up you get among leadership, the dimmer, if I could use that word, the numbers are when it comes to women and people of color. So data has been at the cornerstone, really helping us establish priorities and the pillars of our work. And, and quite frankly, it's my business case. Anytime someone asks me, well, why are we doing this? Or why are we doing that? I'm not here to debate any of this with you. The data will tell you why we're focused on this. Mm, I love that. Yes. So Eric, I'm curious, what would you do differently if you knew what you know now then? Well, it's a good question. You know, if I'm honest, Nikki, I don't know that I would do anything differently. And I'll tell you why. In the two and a half years that we've been at this work, like I said at the onset of our, our conversation here, we wanted to roll out a strategy that would truly differentiate how we approach this work, what we'd seen other companies approach and didn't have as much impact as they probably wanted to see. And starting with inclusion was that approach. And I think that was the right recipe. Now, in hindsight, are there some, maybe some tactical things I would, would like a redo on? Probably navigating certain key stakeholder personalities a different way to make sure we've got a greater set of engagement or a broader set of support. Those types of things, I think you learn and you look back and there's always things you can do better and differently. But in terms of our overall approach and our strategy, when I look at the fact that over the last couple of years, we've seen an increase in representation, a double digit increase among women and people of color. We doubled our a number of executive leaders that identifies black professionals. When I look at those types of results, I got to say, I think we launched with, with the right recipe. Yes. Oh, this leads in great to something else I wanted to talk about. So celebrating those double digit growth wins, let's do a little reflection celebration for a minute. Give us a summary of how far you've come, the things that you could like that come top of mind to say, okay, it wasn't a long ago, July, 2020, that you launched this and then already seeing this kind of impact. Just give us kind of the laundry list of some of the things that you're so proud of you and the team for accomplishing thus far. 
Yeah. Well, let me clarify that before I answer the question. It's not just me and my team. It is the work that our employees across Genesis has stepped up to engage in. Because one of the key things that we've learned is that this work is highly innovative, but it's also highly collaborative. And, and employee engagement is one of the true, kind of the hidden gems of making the EI work, right? From the employees who step up to lead our various employee resource groups, the employees that are part of our different councils around the globe, and to folks that just decide, hey, I may not be sponsoring a council or, or an employee resource group, but this is a, something my team and I are taking on. Our legal team, as an example, launched a, a early employee career, like a or fellow type program, focusing on increasing the diversity of their workforce, right? And it was something we didn't even partner with them on. It was just something they took on and we supported them, right? Yeah. So it's definitely a, a global team effort. But I will tell you that in itself is a victory, right? Which is one of the things I'll call out, which is employee engagement. When I look across the industry, and because I, I spent a lot of time with other CDOs who are also doing work, and one of the things I always want to know is, how engaged is your workforce? What percentage of your workforce do you have participating in events, running ERGs, or just actually involved in your efforts? And I hear numbers anywhere from 8 to 10%. And in the two and a half years, in terms of how we measure engagement, we're at 12% and above. And I'm, I'm starting to see that it, there's an increasing amount of effort there. So that's a victory in itself because you need that engagement to build true inertia to move things forward. And then, of course, I talked about increase in representation. Having seen our talent acquisition team and our hiring managers respond to the call and seeing that reflected and how our hiring numbers or our representation of women and people of color is increasing around the globe it is a major victory. And then again, employee sentiment. And I think the biggest measure of how well we're doing this work is the employee voice and what they tell us. Because they, if you're listening, they will tell you if you're doing well and they will tell you if you're failing, right? And overwhelmingly, I think our last employee experience survey had us in the 80 plus percent approval rating in terms of how they view the EI work being done at Genesis. So very careful not to spike the football because we're very early in our journey and there's still a lot of work to do. But I think our start has been a very healthy start, and I feel like we have a pretty good, solid tailwind lines. So good. The power of thinking bigger than ourselves as leaders, data, and deep dive into the data to find the answers that guide our strategies, and company-wide collaboration. Every single person counts to be engaged in order to make movement. Pretty cool what you've done so far, leading this and, and getting everyone involved. So I did hear that if people wanted to learn more about what you all have done, there's some resources, I think, in a DEI section, maybe on the Genesis website. Is that correct? That's correct. We've done some work this past year, kind of better elaborating on the work that our employees have been involved in that has helped us build the momentum that we have. And you can go to Genesis.com and from Genesis.com, go to the company page and you'll see at the very top access to our diversity, equity, and inclusion page. And you can learn a little bit more about our efforts and our commitment to the work. That's so awesome. All right, Eric, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to take a quick break and then come right back to do what we call our lightning round, where we get to learn just a little bit more about you. So we'll be adding to our recommended reading list and asking a few questions that are a lot of fun just to get to know you a little bit more and making sure we know how to connect with you later. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
if you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. All right. It's Nikki and I'm back on Gut Plus Science with Eric Thomas. It's been a great conversation today around leading systemic change, really shining a spotlight on the DEI efforts of and the strategy that's come to life at Genesis. So really, really great conversation and many key takeaways. Let's get into some fun understandings and learnings about Eric. So Eric, if you had to pick one book, one book to add to our recommended reading list that maybe is a recent favorite or an all-time favorite, what book would you choose? Well, Nikki, this is more of a recent favorite, and I would choose 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Okay. I haven't heard of that book, so I'm, I'm excited to check that out. Yeah. So just a quick synopsis. It, it's all about understanding the realities of how finite life is, and it leans into the YOLO method, right? Or, or the uh, sentiment, which is you only live once. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So when was the last time you tried something new? What was it and how did it go? About a year and a half ago, I started swimming and it was kind of coming off of the tail end of, well, not the tail end, but coming out out of the height of the pandemic where everybody was trying to find different ways to protect their peace and their mental. And I'm a big workout fiend. I'm in the gym probably six days a week and it can sometimes be a bit monotonous. So I started swimming. And I just went to the pool. I, I, I know how to swim, but not formally. I watched a couple of YouTube videos to understand how to control my breathing and, and all these other types of things. And now I'm up to a mile and a half with each uh, session. Awesome. Yay. Celebrating that for you. That's so cool. Challenge to all of our listeners. Try something new. You never know what might come of it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Eric, what gets you most excited about life? Honestly, I think it's the future. And in this, in the book, 4,000 Weeks is kind of been the eye opener for me. Just a little quick person. My wife and I have been married. We celebrated our anniversary, our 26th anniversary this year. And we are blessed to have two adult kids, college graduates. So we're empty nesters. And it's, we're travel more now. And we, destinations that we've always wanted to go, we've always put it off because we've been pretty conservative and frugal because you put the kids first. And now that we've kind of gotten through them to a certain stage in life, it frees us up to do these things. So that the timing of that, along with this book, was an eye opener for me that says, let's do it now. So I'm looking forward to more traveling and kind of seeing more and more new, new destinations with, with, my, with my best friend. I can't miss out on asking. Share with us one of the bucket list trip locations that you two are excited about. Africa. Oh, I've been to Nigeria. My wife has never been. And we both want to go to the Cape and the what's known as the point of no return, which is where the, the uh, center point where a lot of the transatlantic slave trade occurred. Right. And so just being able to go back and visit there and seeing some of the history and, and those types of things. So that's a bucket list trip. That we're planning. Yes, that's so cool. I went to Kenya a couple of years ago and we did so many great things. The safari did the whole history. It was so fun. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up. Eric, before we do, can you please let our listeners know how to stay connected with you? Sure. Two key ways. One on LinkedIn. You can reach out on LinkedIn. We have a number of social cards that will post about different diversity efforts we're doing, as well as my me personally. Feel free to reach out to me. 
And then of course, our website at genesis.com. Go to the company page and it'll guide you directly to our diversity, equity, and inclusion page where you can learn more about all the phenomenal work that we've got underway. Awesome conversation today with Eric Thomas. Here's my truth you can act on. Number one, what are you building as a leader that will outlast your time and your role? Make sure you can answer this question. I love that. Number two, data should be a cornerstone to guide decision-making. Make sure that you can slice and dice data to get to the core of the problems or the learnings to really understand how to build your future based on data. Number three, make sure you have a strategic plan to get employee buy-in to any business initiative. Collaboration and engagement is so crucial, especially for DEI initiatives. It is a company-wide effort, as we heard from Eric and his success. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.